Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, Monday afternoon, new week. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs, then Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with that. For over 100 years, they service the northern 32 counties in the state of Mississippi, and they're fantastic people. You can find a branch location near you online at mslandbank.com. You can also grab the phone number there. It's where they know the lay of the land. What a busy weekend. Baseball all over the place, basketball all over the place, and, of course, the NBA All-Star Game, which kind of goes along the lines of if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it, does it actually make a sound? Right, Borky? Oh, the ra- it did like a five rating. So. I'm kidding with you. Uh, no, I didn't watch a second of it. Are you kidding? The NBA All-Star Game is m- extremely painful. But I'll throw this at you since you brought this up. Uh, I'm going to talk about it at some point uh, later on this week. But the dunk contest actually yeah. does fewer ratings, fewer people watch it than the Home Run Derby. For whatever that's huh. worth to you. Uh, it's uh, okay. Good to know. Although it was kind of cool to watch Hamadou Diallo jump over a guy and dunk it and then hang on the rim like with the inside of his elbow. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. looks actually kind of painful, but uh, maybe he's got enough muscles that it doesn't hurt or something like that. Hey, Dad, how was your weekend? Like you said, man, it was busy. A lot, a lot of sports going on to keep up with. And, of course, you know, weekend of baseball. Uh, got the doubleheader in. It was a lot of fun. So, got got a lot of Mississippi State sports in. That was that was my weekend. Rippy, good weekend for you. About the same. Pretty busy, but yeah, pretty good. No complaints. Borky, were you busy this weekend, or did you just sit in your underwear and watch ball all weekend? Oh, I didn't do much, man. The weather was awful. Our uh, flight got canceled. We had to reschedule it to this Saturday if the weather holds up. So. Spent, Not looking good, though, is it? No. I mean, we're going to have apocalyptic rain for the next, like, seven days, so just be ready for it. If you have a leak in your roof, go ahead and just stick a bucket underneath it because it's too late. Um, but, yeah, so I did a lot of of watching ball, and I don't think I showered until about 5 o'clock yesterday, so it was a pretty That's good disgusting. weekend. Wait, you didn't shower on Saturday and then not until 5 o'clock yesterday? I, so I showered That's disgusting. Saturday morning because we went to go look at a few houses. And I didn't shower again until Sunday at about 5 o'clock. Is buying houses in bad weather kind of like buying cars in bad weather? You feel like you can get a better deal when you try it that way? I guess, but it's new to no, me. No, the answer uh, is no. <laughs> I've never looked for houses before, and the stress level that comes with it when 
the the real estate agent, who's nice as can be, is, starts throwing out like loan types at you. And which type of loan are you going to get? And is is it this acronym or this acronym or or this or just all the numbers and stuff that were thrown at me? It just I wasn't ready for it, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be. I think I'd tell the real estate agent, hey, you worry about showing me houses. I'll worry about the financing with somebody that does financing for a well, living. Well, I made the mistake of asking. Oh, it's your fault then. Yeah, it was, it was my fault. Because, I mean, I've never asked for a loan before. I mean, it, it, I yeah. don't know. All right, so what's coming up this afternoon? Mississippi State sweeps in baseball in impressive fashion this weekend against Young Youngstown State. Southern Miss gets a sweep. Close game on Friday, close game on Saturday, blowout yesterday as they get three from Purdue on the weekend. Ole Miss won the season opener on Friday. They lost their second game on Saturday, and Mother Nature had other plans. No baseball yesterday in Oxford. We are beginning something today that I think is going to be a lot of fun. On Mondays throughout the baseball season, we have uh, confirmed that Scott Berry is going to join us each Monday. We'll get a recap of uh, Southern Miss baseball from the weekend. And also, uh, I think it'll be fun to kind of get some big-picture thoughts from Scott Berry as we we go through the season. We're going to do that primarily in the 3 o'clock hour each week during baseball. Mike Bianco is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour on Mondays each week to recap the weekend, look ahead to what's coming up, and also we'll talk some big-picture stuff with him. And we're still working to get things scheduled with Chris Lamonis, Mississippi State's head coach, for a weekly chat with him as well. Have not been able to get all the details quite ironed out on that just yet. Hey, Dad, do we need to put you on there to finish ironing out the details? If need be, I am certainly an ironer-outer of details. Okay. You don't even know how to plug an iron in. What are you talking about? What What is this? What is this supposed to be? I, I When's the last time you ironed a shirt? Ooh, it's been a while, but I know how to do it. Okay. I mean, it's been a while, <laughs> well, so I tie to tie, but I know how to do it. There you go. There you go. Uh, hoops this weekend. Mississippi State goes to Fayetteville. They played the late game on Saturday and got a win and really pulled away in the second half. An impressive second half from down, they down eight at the half? Mm-hmm. And went on a 23, uh, 21 to three run to, uh, start the second half and never really checked up. Arkansas made a run a couple of different times in the second half, tried to get that crowd into it. Thought Ben Howland did a fantastic job managing timeouts in the second half. There were two different times where Arkansas made a basket and it felt like the fans were trying to get into it. And immediately he called a timeout, took the crowd out of it. And, um, We'll get into that coming up in a little while. Ole Miss was at home against Missouri and got a 10-point win, uh, win against the Missouri Tigers, a Missouri team that, uh, because of travel issues, apparently not related to the weather, but related to the flight crew having to have a certain amount of sleep. And so they didn't fly in until Saturday morning, day of the game. Ole Miss got the win. I don't know that that really affected the outcome one way or the other. Uh, but that was, uh, I suppose, part of the equation. Kentucky-Tennessee, a lot of buildup for that game. It was mostly pomp and circumstance because Kentucky would have none of the idea of the number one team in the country coming into their building and getting a win on Saturday night. Ole Miss has hired an outside linebackers coach, former defensive coordinator, familiar name. Southern Miss has made an offensive coordinator hire. We've got a new mock draft from Mel Kuyper. 
winners and losers from the weekend, what happened in baseball all around the SEC. Just a lot of ways, a lot of words there to say. Busy three hours coming your way. Rippy, give me a uh, a quick takeaway from Ole Miss and their win against Missouri in basketball on Saturday. It was workmanlike. They turned Missouri over 25 times. Yikes! Um, you know, Missouri never went away. Jordan Geis had 23. Um, was really kind of their only source of offense in the second half when they didn't have much going for them. But the game never really felt like it hung in the balance. Um, I was there for about the last 18 minutes of it. Um, so you went baseball first and then transitioned to basketball. Yes, got to both of them. There uh, you go. Baseball didn't help me out much. It was quite the, the slow game in game two, but got over there, got them both done. Um, so, yeah, now 8-4 and four and sets up a pretty big game in Columbia. Who would have thought a February game between South Carolina and Ole Miss would go a long way in deciding the last double bye in Nashville? Given where these two teams were projected going into the year, I don't think anybody, if you had asked the question in November, uh, would you have a pair of eight and four teams playing for potentially the fourth seed in the SEC tournament in February, late February, uh, on a Tuesday night in Columbia? Uh, I don't think many people would have uh, would have been buying that. Hey, Dad, what about you? Quick takeaway from Saturday night in Fayetteville, Mississippi State, getting the win against the Arkansas Razorbacks. And what a turnaround, you know! And you were there to see it as well. That the state was, was not playing well in the first half. And they completely turned it around in the second half through defense. I mean, they forced a ton of turnovers, got a lot of steals, very active in the passing lanes. And Tyson Carter to come in in a situation where, you know, Nick Weatherspoon suspended. Uh, he's not going to, he's not going to play in the game. Carter goes in the starting lineup and has one of his best games of the year. And normally you think of Tyson Carter, you think about the three ball. He didn't, he didn't make a three point shot, but he still had 18 points and looked very effective running the point, I thought. So. For MSU, that, that was a really, really good win, and a win I thought they had to have, and they got it. Um, with regard to Nick Weatherspoon, Mississippi State made the announcement about an hour and a half before tip-off sent out a release that said uh, Nick Weatherspoon was suspended indefinitely. Uh, he did not participate in Mississippi State's shoot-around. He was on the trip, was with the team in Fayetteville. The, the wording of the release was uh, suspended indefinitely from game competition. So he is with the team. He is going to continue to practice with the team. But Mississippi State said no further information until his status changes, that there would be no further comment on that. And there, you know, the, the immediate question, you, you know what it is, hey, Dad. People immediately go, what did he do? What did right. he do? Oh, oh man. Nobody's talking about that. Yeah, I, I got a ton of texts and phone calls uh, Saturday about that. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. And uh, MSU's not giving us the answer, so we'll have to find out whenever we find they, out. They they are not giving the answer. Um, I, I talked with a couple of people on Saturday night, and they were very vague with regard to, uh, to what was going on. I, I will say this, and, and I don't want to betray anything, there are certain things that you immediately jump to, oh, well, he did this, and that's the reason he suspended indefinitely. Whatever the first couple of things that you might jump to as the reason, probably not the actual reason. So we'll see how long that lasts. More coming up with you when we come back on the Farm Bureau phone line. Well, nope, we'll talk some baseball when we come back. And then at 3.37, Scott Berry joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio.
Monday afternoon edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along for the ride. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, who reminds you not to text and drive, customer inspired. Baseball from the weekend. Everybody got started in the SEC. It was mostly a good weekend for everybody. I think you had eight sweeps. And only one team that comes out of week one under 500, and that was Missouri, who Borky said was making a terrible decision by going to Jacksonville. That was, hey, Dad, I, it was, was 20 me. degrees in Columbia. They made the only oh. decision. Well, that was me. They didn't make a bad decision going to Jacksonville. They make a, made a bad decision having a really bad team and taking them to Jacksonville. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised that they, they lost that series. Yeah. Because they're bad, not because they didn't play at home. Right, right, right. Oh, no, no. They could have played wherever. Yeah. Yeah. But not playing at uh, home didn't help them. I'll put it that way. uh, Ole Miss is the only team that did not get all three games in this weekend. Uh, Why did they decide not to play a doubleheader on Saturday? Did you get any answer on that? Could they have played a doubleheader on Saturday? Yes, but the answer we got on Friday was that all of the rain was supposed to clear out before the game on Sunday. Um, all of the rain did not clear out before the game on Sunday. What weather app are they using? Because everything that I looked at, it said that it was going to rain all day Sunday. Yeah, that's why State moved to a doubleheader. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think we're all on the same page there. And uh, You think it was basketball? I, they just did not want to interfere with the basketball game. And then no. playing two games in the same day with like a four-hour gap no. between them is not ideal. I, I don't think that's it at all. I, I will say this. The um, the track record for Mike Bianco of doing everything humanly possible to get three games in on a weekend is probably as good as any coach will find out there. He wants to play. He's not trigger-happy on moving games by any stretch. But he doesn't love to move games to uh, to the next day if he doesn't have to. So um, probably would redo that decision given the uh, given the chance. All right. Big weekend in Starkville, uh, unveiling the new stadium. It's a great thing for everybody that was 70 and sunny, uh, like we've been talking about for the six weeks yeah. leading up to the start of the season because it helped with great crowds. Okay, maybe it wasn't 70 and sunny. Um, Friday afternoon you had the unveiling of the Thunder and Lightning statues outside the stadium. Will Clark, Clark Rafael Palmero, a lot of people in suits talking and clapping. and looked like a pretty good crowd for that, wasn't there? Yeah, quite a few people out there, and uh, even more keeping up with us online. I periscoped the whole thing, and I, I can't tell you the number of people who were like, thank you for doing this, because evidently the MSU feed was not very good. So I was, there you uh, go. was the, uh, the the thing for that, I guess. Rock the old C Spire phone and uh, get that uh, that good Absolutely. 4G LTE and stream it live on Periscope. I, I like it. Uh, and then there was a game, and mm-hmm. Ethan Small was dominant. Yeah. Yeah, I've just made one mistake. Gave up a two-run home run. Uh, I want to say that was in the in the third. But other than fourth. that, top struck, of the fourth. The fourth, yeah. Struck out eleven. Uh, didn't walk anybody. Just just pitched really, really well. Really, really efficient. And uh, I, I, you know, he looked like a Friday night starter. He went out there. Said the one mistake. It, it, you know, it's going to happen. But by and large, that was a very good first start for Ethan Small. 
Yeah, uh, Mississippi State was down 3 nothing in this game going into the bottom of the sixth, and then they weren't down 3 nothing anymore. Scored three runs in the bottom of the sixth inning and then opened it up a crazy eighth inning. 11 runs scored for, uh, for Mississippi State in the eighth inning, made it 14-3, to and then uh, obviously Youngstown State didn't have an 11-run top of the ninth in them. So 14-3 to was the final in game number one. And then a doubleheader on Saturday, um, so on Friday it was unveiling the statues, and on Saturday it was unveiling the Ron Polk Ring of Honor. Yes. How was that? Yeah. I was cool. They, they, they because of the uh, you know, the nature of it, getting over there to actually cover it would have been nearly impossible. But they did put it on the uh, the, the jumbotron out there for us to watch, and then we got to speak to the guys uh, afterwards. So I got the chance to uh, to uh, do some periscopes with Will Clark, Raphael Palmero, and Jeff Brantley, and uh, very cool. Very, I, I won't lie. You know, as a, as a guy who's a San Francisco Giants fan, because of Will Clark, uh, it was it was it was sort of interesting just to be standing there right next to him. So, not a thing I thought was going to happen in my life. You know, five six years ago. Uh, but they were all, you know, they all said the right things. You know, such a great honor. And, and Palmero made it a very interesting comment. He said that, that his time at State, in his opinion, was the best years of his life. You know, he, that that for all he did in the major leagues, his time at MSU was the time he, he comes back to the most. And uh, Will Clark sort of echoed those sentiments, as did Brantley. So, uh, you know, those guys, uh, gr- a very solid first class. Interesting, three guys off of one team. That tells you how revered the 85 team is here uh, at Mississippi State. JT Ginn made his first career start, gave up a two-run home run in the first inning. It got a whole lot better after that. Only one more hit in five innings of work, five innings, two hits, two earned runs, a walk, seven strikeouts, through 68 pitches. How was JT Ginn? Very solid. Very solid. Like you said, you thought maybe some nerves there in the beginning. You know, he hit a guy right in the face, second batter of the game, and uh, he had to come out of the game actually and didn't didn't return. Uh, of course, he doesn't return. It's baseball. Uh, and then after that, you know, he gets up the, the home run. But from there on out, he was really, really solid. You know, he looked he looked good. Uh, struck out seven, like you mentioned, only the one walk. State's pitching this weekend, a lot of strikeouts. I, I think I did the numbers. You know, to got potential what eighty one outs in three games. 43 strikeouts for MSU pitching. I thought that was they were very, very uh, good at getting some swings and misses and, get, and getting guys to uh, to miss the ball. And then at the same time, you know, the, the location was obviously very good. They were they were pumping the ball into the strike zone, and just saying, hey, if you can hit it, do it. And then in uh, in game three, the late game on Saturday, Keegan James went five innings, gave up four hits, did not allow a run. He struck out six through 73 pitches, and then the combination of Riley Self, Tristan Barlow, Jared Liebelt, and Liebelt or Liebelt? Liebelt. Liebelt and uh, Brandon Smith each worked an inning of uh, scoreless relief as Mississippi State closed out the weekend with a sweep 8-0 over Youngstown State to start the year 3-0. Attendance on Saturday announced 9,157. It was 8,300 or so. Yeah. On uh, on opening day, it looked like a really good crowd in the outfield, and then the in the stands kind of sprinkled about, sprinkled about. But a lot of people in the concourse, just because they don't want to be out there. And that and the wind was rough. It was it was just cold, just cold, nasty. You know, football weather more than baseball weather, which is unfortunately the case more often than not when you start these games in, in mid February. But that said, you know, I I got the impression the crowd was into it. They had a lot, lot of excitement. You know, State put up a lot of runs. I told you on, when we talked on Thursday, you asked me what I wanted to see. I said I wanted to see home runs. I saw a bunch of them. You know, Tanner Allen had a couple. I was, I thought Tanner Allen got shafted today, not getting a SEC Player of the Week. 
what a what a weekend he had. Thirteen RBI in, in three games. Uh, McNamee hit one out. Foscue hit one out. Uh, Hayden Jones hit one out. That may still be going. It, it, it almost got it to West Point. That thing was smashed out of out of Duty Noble Field. So a lot of runs, a lot of solid base hits. Even State's outs were loud. They they had a lot of line drive outs that you know maybe when the weather turns and then the wind starts blowing out a little bit more, that's going to be some some trouble for uh, opposing outfitters. I thought State hit the ball really well this weekend. Um. Level of competition. What do you make of Youngstown State? They're not very good. They're yeah. not very good. I mean, they only won 18 games a year ago. But that said, and one of the things I always say on the Thunder and Lightning podcast is when you're a good team and you play a bad team, you should really beat them down. And that's what happened. If, you know, talking about 14 runs in two games and then eight in the other when you shut them out, you only give up five runs on the whole weekend. State handled a bad team about as well as you could. They're undefeated in the logo department, though. I'm buying. Yeah, I'm getting a Youngstown State T-shirt with that penguin logo on there. The angry is, penguin with the that's fantastic. On is awesome. I was look. I, I'll go ahead and tell you, I was looking for them while while covering the game. I'm gonna have to lose a few more pounds. They, they're not in my size right now, but I will be ordering one. So the crowds were good. The stadium was spectacular, and yet so much of the conversation around the opening weekend of baseball in Mississippi State revolved around a video floating around online with something happening on the third floor of the left field loft. What's going on? This is a family show, right? I can't use it. I can't go too far with this. You can't go uh, too far. And people in an absolute uproar over whether or not beverages and drinks are being thrown into the air after home runs. Which is ridiculous. Not, not, not the, uh, the debate. The act of throwing a beverage into the air. When no, you, the debate you... is ridiculous. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. The act of throwing a beverage into the air is ridiculous. By, by the way, I've got I got a little something for you coming, and, and it's not specific to Mississippi State. It is you know. because of this weekend, mm-hmm. but it is not unique or isolated to Mississippi State, and that's coming for you and winners and losers later this afternoon. Well, I can't wait. You'll have to stay tuned for that. Coming up next, Farm Bureau phone line. Three-game sweep in Hattiesburg against Purdue for Southern Miss to start the season. We will talk about that. We'll recap the weekend and do a little looking ahead with Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. That's when we continue Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Monday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Right now, we will go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team and chat with the Southern Miss head baseball coach, Scott Berry. Coach, first of all, appreciate you agreeing to uh, to visit with us each week during the baseball season. I- I'm not sure what Jack had to do to convince you of this or rope you into it, but we, uh, we are certainly grateful. Well, that's no problem. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to come on with you all. So three games in three days and three wins to start the year. Hard to do much better than that right out of the gate. Well, it is. You know, regardless of how you feel like your team played, you can't knock the fact that they were able to win three games. And, and not that I'm disappointed at all. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very pleased. And uh, we have room to work, obviously. But anytime you can come, uh, come away with three wins against what what I feel like is a very quality opponent, Purdue, who was in a regional last year, and I feel like is going to be at the top of the Big Ten this year. Of course, that remains to be seen. But they're fundamentally sound. 
you know, Richard, they'd only been outside twice prior to coming down here, and they really uh, swung the bats well, which is pretty consistent with the the northern schools were, and that's all they could do, you know, in the preseason, stay inside and, and, and hit. And they lived up to that, particularly there on, on Friday night. But uh, I thought they were a very fa- uh, fundamental, fundamentally sound team that competed well, as, as both teams did. Take me back through game one. So so kind of a back-and-forth battle all weekend. Ends up going extra innings. You get a little magic late in the ball game with a, a run in the ninth to tie it up, and then you get a run in the tenth to uh, to get the walk-off win. That's an exciting way to start the season. Was there a point where, and not to say it was in doubt. I mean, if you're trailing late in the game, I guess it's in doubt. Uh, but was there ever a point where you felt like your team got nervous or, or you were worried about kind of their mental state to be able to get it done late? No, because, you know, we preach all the time to them. You just got to stay even keel. You can't ride this game with emotions, highs and lows, because those are, those are constant. They're going to be there. What we have to be able to do is understand how to play the game and, and, and win the game of baseball. And, and sometimes that, that happens late, like we saw in all three games, you know, with us having to fight from behind there to, to get it done. But a lot of good things happen with, with that, you know, and I think you credit the pitching staff for being able to hold Purdue where they were and not let them have any more runs to give our offense a chance late to to catch it back up, particularly in game one and tie it up to win it there in extra innings. But, you know, the same thing happened there in the uh, the second game where they held them down and uh, gave us a chance there to score those runs late as as we did in game three. So uh, I thought our, our pitching staff did a great job for the most part, and, uh, and holding them uh, down to where we, we have a chance. Starting pitching this weekend, we, we talked last week with you about Matt Walner not being available to uh, to pitch this weekend. H- how did you feel about the rotation? How did you feel about your starters and, and kind of what they gave you? Well, I think it was a, a time for them to get out there and test the waters. You know, two of them, obviously, Walker Powell and Stevie Powers, were guys that had log starts last year and, and even prior years before that. So they had experience on their side. Walker, uh, he, uh, you know, he didn't pick bad at all. You know, a couple of errors, uh, self-inflicted one himself on a pickoff throw that led to a, to an unearned run. And he only gave up, uh, he gave up two runs, only gave up one earned. So, uh, you know, he didn't pitch bad at all. I thought the key in that game was was our middle relief and uh, long relief guys, left-handers Josh Lewis, who is a junior college transfer, and then uh, uh, redshirt freshman Ryan Ock, who appeared uh, in Sunday's game as well. So did Lewis, but Ock really had two really outstanding outings, I thought, uh, appearances. And then Mason Strickland, what he did on the back end, uh, a senior who, who who logged in some really important innings last year in our season, you know, was able to throw two and a third and only give up two hits and no runs uh, in that first game. Scott uh, Barry on your radio, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. They sweep Purdue this weekend, getting a uh, a game one win in extra innings, seven to six. They won four to two in game two, then got the bats out in a big way. Nothing like crooked numbers. You put four on the board in the bottom of the first inning. You would rather not turn around and give five up in the next half inning, but you did follow it up in the sixth and, and the seventh, or excuse me, the sixth and the eighth with big numbers as well. Um, big offensive day yesterday to wrap up the weekend. Yeah, it really was. Uh, you know, uh, like you said, you come out, you 
foot four up and you're feeling pretty good. You know, knowing there's a lot of game left, obviously, but, you know, being the competitors Purdue, uh, who they are and, and, uh, not wanting to get swept and the sense of urgency to get out of Hattiesburg with at least one win, if, if nothing else. You know, boy, they come out in the second inning and, uh, they were, they hit us for five. So, uh, you know, that came kind of out of nowhere, but, yeah, I think hats off once again to our, our release and our bullpen that came in. Alex Nelms, he covers three innings for us. Uh, really just kind of calms the damage uh, so it can't go anymore. Uh, and only gives up one hit over those three innings. And, and then Josh Lewis, who appeared in Friday night, gave up a couple of runs, but then handed it over to uh, newcomer Hunter Stanley. And then Ock appeared again. That was really good. And then J.C. Keyes, a guy that's been in our program for three years, a senior came in and, and threw a good last inning uh, there in the in the ninth. And kind of one more thing, Scott, about the the games. Um, I, I've known you long enough to know that you expect to pitch it well, you want to pitch it well, but you also expect to play good defense. Uh, I'm assuming you'd rather not look up and see two errors in each of your three games. No, you're right. You know, we made six in the three error or three games, and uh, you know we've got to clean that up. For sure, you know, two of those were on the mound. Both of them were pickoffs. So obviously, we need to, to practice and do a little better with that. But uh, you know, there were, I think, the errors in the field. Uh, you know, honestly, a couple of them were just kind of tricky hop errors, which uh, it happens. But then, uh, you know, there was a couple that we just let the ball play us, and we didn't attack the baseball. We've got to, we've got to recognize that and, and control that a little bit better. Uh, and I think if we do that, then certainly it'll clean clean that side of the game up. But you know, there's the, uh, the three three phases of the game: pitching, uh, hitting, and defense. You've got to be able to play two of the three well to have a chance to win. And I think that's what you saw uh, in 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 all three of those games. Is uh, you know, at some point, either we pitched well and hit well uh, defensively. Certainly, uh, you know, the two errors in each of the games is what we're what we're striving to do. Scott, no surprise here. We, we talked with Luke Johnson, and I asked him how excited fans were. He said, oh, man, people can't wait for the start of baseball season. 11,000 fans over the course of three games to uh, to start the season. I, I know it feels good and, and is a big deal for your team to look up and, and see big crowds right out of the gate to start the year. Well, you're right. I mean, and we've talked before, you and I, about the crowds and the, and the fan bases in the state of Mississippi for college baseball, not only at the D1 level, but at the D2 level, at Delta State, the NII level, you know, all the way down to Little League. I mean, it's it's a baseball state. People, people they embrace it. They come out. They uh, they love to attend it. So, you know, there was no different at Pete Taylor Park this weekend. I hate that opening day was such a drizzle, drizzle day, a lot of rain. Uh, that was not forecast, you know. Even with that, we were just under 4,000 people on opening day, which I feel like we would have been probably close to five, in all honesty, had the weather been a lot sure. better. So but I'm very pleased with the turnout, particularly on Sunday morning. It's kind of funny, Richard. I mean, we moved the game to 1030 to try to beat the rain. It hadn't rained yet, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's I funny because... It's you know, it's funny. We were talking a little while ago off the air. Ole Miss, with their game on Sunday, they decided that they thought the rain was going to be out of there, and then it started raining at like 11 in the morning, and it didn't quit until, oh, I don't know, 10 o'clock last night or something like that. So right. uh, th- those weather guys sometimes n- not sure what they're, well, uh, they're I looking know, at. I know their jobs are tough. But, you know, just like on Friday, I pull in here on Friday. It's not even supposed to rain. It 
man, it's raining when I get here at 8 o'clock. It's drizzling, and it never stops the whole time. Mm. So, yeah. uh, you know, who knows? Go figure. Hey, one last thing. It may have to deal with rain on Wednesday. You're supposed to play Troy at uh, in Pearl there at Trustmark Park, and then a huge series as you go on the road to Starkville. Obviously, that's a team that uh, you got three from last year. They'd love to, to kind of get you back. Should be a great weekend for, for Southern Miss, Mississippi State. It should be, yeah. I mean, what a, what a great state to have uh, a baseball series in between us and and, and Mississippi State. Uh, a lot of hype with that, rightfully so. But, you know, what? as a coach, it's our job to, to keep our guys focused. Obviously, we have a game way before that. That's Troy. Uh, on Wednesday at Pearl at 6.30 so, at Trustmark mm-hmm. Park. So that's the most important game on our schedule, and that's what we need to focus on. And then from there, we'll move to start Bowl, where Friday's game will be the most important. And, you know, we once again, we, we draw back uh, and look back at, at not being too high, not being too low. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. It's the game we're trying to play, and that's what we need to focus on, on playing. So hopefully we'll be mature enough and, and professional enough to understand what our job is and what it involves, and we'll, we'll say the course. Coach, only about 30 seconds left. Any idea what uh, the role will be for Matt Walner this coming weekend or too early to tell? No, probably too early to tell. You know, that's that's the situation, Richard. I'm not going to uh, push it with him. I mean, he's got okay. a fantastic future in the game of baseball. You know, it's a long season for us. Uh, so there's there's no real sense of urgency on my part to rush him back out there. We have to make sure that he's totally healthy and sound before we do that. And, of course, we're going to have to probably throw bullpen or two sessions with him to just try to let him build it back up. Sounds great. Really appreciate your time. Look forward to visiting with you on Mondays throughout the season, Coach. Sounds good. Thanks, sir. Buddy, you're a boy. Make a big noise. Playing in the street. Gonna be a big man. Sports Talk Mississippi, hour number two, Monday afternoon, February 18th, opening weekend of college baseball season in the books. Six games, three weeks remaining in the college basketball regular season, then we get to the conference tournaments, then March Madness, and it feels like we are headed toward a March with both Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the NCAA tournament for the first time Haydad since... Was it 2002? Yeah, 2002. 2002. How about that? 17 years. The better part of two decades between years in which both Mississippi State and Ole Miss make the NCAA tournament. Now, neither of them officially in it yet, but it's looking good for both of them. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. This Friday, Mississippi Land Bank... We'll be giving away trees. That's right. It's giveaway a tree day at Mississippi Land Bank. Uh, it's coming up this Friday, and it's at a bunch of the different Mississippi Land Bank uh, locations. You can uh, pick one up in um, in Cenotopia, where their corporate headquarters are. Also in Clarksdale, Cleveland, Starkville, Tupelo, and Corinth. A tree giveaway Friday. This coming uh, Friday, February twenty second at the six main branches, six main locations for Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. It's Monday. It's just after 4 o'clock. It's time for Winners and Losers. All I I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner. 
and will not tolerate a loser. I'll knock out the two uh, very obvious ones right out of the gate. Mississippi State gets a win at Arkansas on Saturday night. Big win for the Bulldogs. Whether it was an opportunity game or it was a game where they just couldn't lose, I guess that's up for debate, but they got done what they needed to get done, go on the road, get a win, and particularly the play of Tyson Carter. He was really, really good and ended up playing the majority of the game at the point guard spot. Uh, with Nick Weatherspoon out, and frankly, Lamar Peters, not great on Saturday night. Tyson Carter was good, made a bunch of shots, uh, had either 14 or 16 points in the game. I don't have the box score in front of me, and he did that at without 18. a made three. 18? points, yeah. So it was seven made field goals and four free throws, is that right? I believe that's correct, yes. Yeah. How about that? And then Ole Miss, after a four-game losing streak and losing five out of six... Ole Miss has bounced back with a four-game winning streak, and according to all of the projections that are out there, either a seven or an eight seed in the NCAA tournament, which is the same place that uh, right now Mississippi State is projected as well. All right, winners from you boys. Borky, you go first. Uh, I'll start with the couple who christened the left field lofts at the new Duty Noble Field. That's where you're going to start? That's where I'm going to start because they are winners this weekend because how many people can say that they did that on the balconies of the left field loss at the new Duty Noble Field. I thought you were going to say on camera. There are lots. <laughs> well, the, the list is very small, and despite the, the shame that's coming from their families who know exactly who that is, because it's a pretty exclusive club of people that get those lofts, and uh, the inevitable embarrassment that's going to follow maybe for the rest of their lives, considering that that was on camera and everybody knows that that loft, those people did that, they still get to Is there be a the scenario first. where what everybody thinks was happening wasn't actually happening? Not a chance. I don't think so. Not not absolutely not a chance at all. Good for you being adventurous, <laughs> mixing it up in your love life. That's good. It's you're a healthy couple. I'm happy for you and okay. you get okay, to be the we'll first to uh, braving the elements too. Yeah, cold. I mean it was it's cold, cold out, out there. there. Yeah. I mean you got it, it hey, Dave, you didn't answer. You didn't answer when I said, "Is there a scenario where I what mean, we think was going on wasn't could actually going on?" Somebody just gotten under a sheet and started making some motions, possibly. But but I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm going to let the legend live. It's a good way to put it. The legend of the christening of did, the left field lofts. It's perfect. Hey, Dad, did, did did you talk to anybody in a position of authority after that video came out to get a a, I, a, a non-scripted I have not, reaction? I have not get any confirmation. About uh, about anything. no, I don't need me confirmation. I'm just talking about reaction. Uh, no, I did not because you know, obviously, like the top dog, John Cohen, was very busy uh, on Saturday with all the Hall of Fame stuff uh, going on. So haven't heard. Okay. I haven't. I haven't talked to anybody about it. No. How about a winner then? Uh, for me, the Kentucky Wildcats. Man, they handled Tennessee pretty easily uh, at home, and that's a game that you know they sort of needed to have after losing to LSU, and that they showed that they are going to be right there uh, in the mix for the SEC championship and for a high seed in the NCAA tournament. And they look like a team that could possibly be a national championship contender. I still don't think they have the horses to compete with Duke, but they are playing really, really well right now. Okay. Rippy, winner. Um, The fans of the New Orleans Pelicans. Because Anthony Davis says not to worry, just wait for his thank you video to come out on his Instagram, and everything is all going to be okay. So all is right in the world after that. 
<laughs> he just said, hey, don't worry. Before I leave, I'm going to put a thank you video on my Instagram like everybody else does. Yeah. I mean, your agent tried to completely destroy your your franchise, but thanks, guys. Losers list. Uh, top of the list right now, weather. I mean, is it re- 8 to 10 inches of rain this week? Is that what's forecast in North Mississippi? I think I saw that earlier today. Boo to that. Boo to that. Um, also, spelling error on a bronze plaque. Boo to that. Hey, Dad, what are we doing here? I tell you, man. Does nobody that, proofread? That's the one thing that bothers me is that I know those plaques didn't show up like 10 minutes before the ceremony started, right? State had to have been sitting on them for at least a week. Who didn't take a look? Who didn't take Under a look lighting. before they decided to go down the uh, the road of, oh, let's go ahead and That's cast what I'm saying. these Somebody, things? When they came in, don't you just open them up and like, all right, let me double check everything. Instead, we've got thunder and lighting out there. <laughs> you can still get thunder and lightning every day on iTunes, Super Talk Mississippi's website, supertalk.fm. Um, Stitcher and Spotify. I, I told you I would have something for you here. You got something for me? Bring it. The need to constantly invoke moral superiority over your rival. If you fall into that category, you're on the losers list. I see. I see. And I would follow it up with the idea of moral superiority about drinking beer. Careful throwing stones because we all live in glass houses. No, when you come out with a statement like beer in cups is not part of our DNA or it's embarrassment to the university on the same weekend that. The other stuff happens. But but let me say this. Let me me say this. It just so happens that this weekend, that's in the general direction of Mississippi State. It could very well be that next weekend or last weekend, that exact same comment should go to Ole Miss. Ending up with a hooker. I don't know. I don't know how it could go. That's what I'm saying. Everybody lives in glass houses. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. And don't make your thing be because of somebody else's thing. I hear you. All right. Uh, any other losers? I got one. Tell it. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, Ooh. who said, and I quote, I reject the notion that payroll is a good measure for how much a team is trying or how successful that team is going to be. In Major League Baseball, <sighs> that man said that. Come on. Bum, bum, ba, bum, Why is there a luxury tax then? I mean, if if, yeah. if it's not the payroll, why are we taxing these teams who spend a lot? And two of the biggest free agents of the last like what almost ten years probably are unsigned. Are unsigned, and are unsigned. Training's already started. Right. Borky, you got a so, loser. Yeah. Well, I would JB Holmes. Yesterday, in the final round of the Genesis Open, took an embarrassing amount of time. I mean, golf is already slow and boring to begin with. I love the sport, but it's really slow and tedious. The amount of time that guy takes to play the game makes it almost impossible to watch. The tour needs to step in and do something about it. It's miserable. I mean, he took a minute and 30 seconds on a putt yesterday. That kind of stuff's got to stop. They have to do something about it. Hard to watch. Already a slow game, and people like him make it impossible to enjoy. Okay. You got a loser rip? Bryson DeChambeau. It just came to my attention, thanks to Borky. Just vandalizing golf courses. Oh, shit. You guys. 
You guys. Borky, what I do you think this. about I, that? I got I to be told during the break what's happening. Oh, he just took a swing at the edge of a bunker and took a big grass divot that fell down, and he walked away from it. His caddy walked away from it. That's that's day. not acceptable. Yeah. Um, can we go with uh, regional copy editors for local papers? Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of a bad deal. Brian Hayden and Brian Scott list. Rippey in, in the state of Mississippi working for you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. That's your winners and losers. We'll talk hoops next. On the Sports Talk Mississippi text line. Nope, nope, nope. It's the Twitter feed. At Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Jason. What up, Jason? Says his loser. He's listening from Arizona. He says the weather. He's in, generally speaking, the Flagstaff area. 52 inches of snow since Halloween. It's a lot of snow. It's a beautiful part of the country. I got to check that out at some point. Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, but that's a uh, it's a lot of snow in a what five month period, something along those lines. Yeah. Although ten inches a month in a place where it's supposed to snow, that doesn't seem crazy, does it? Where does he live in Arizona that it's supposed to snow? In Arizona, the desert. Well, yeah, lots it's of cold parts of it, in the they desert. Also man. have mountains. I'm just saying, when I think of Arizona, snow is the first thing I think of. Yeah. (laughs) You think of 120? Yeah. I think of that scene from King of the Hill where they're like, this city should not be allowed to exist. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, So let's get to some hoops from the weekend, kind of big picture stuff in the SEC. First of all, the net and... Borky, I saw on Twitter people were reaching out to you earlier today. There were Mississippi State fans who have been, hey, Dad, what's the word? A little ambivalent with regard to basketball? Ambivalent would be a very nice way of putting it, yes. Let's go with it. Who, who were all of a sudden really, really interested and engaged in where is Mississippi State in the net? The net is the primary metric that will be used by the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee this year to determine the 68 teams. And i got good news for you if you're a Mississippi State fan. Bulldogs are in great shape. Fantastic shape. SEC teams, Kentucky at 5, Tennessee at 6, LSU at 16, Auburn 21, Mississippi State 24, Ole Miss 30, Florida up to 33. The Gators are 14 and 11 overall and one game above 500 in conference play. And at times have looked abysmal. They just happen to have played the hardest non-conference schedule known to man. Alabama looks like they may end up on the outside looking in and a brutal home loss for Arkansas on Saturday night, not because it was to Mississippi State, I mean in terms of trying to get to the NCAA tournament. And then after that, forget about it. A&M, Missouri, South Carolina. I say forget about it. So what about South Carolina, guys? South Carolina hosting Ole Miss on Tuesday night. The margin for error for South Carolina is basically non-existent. But look, they're 8-4 and four in league play, but they're only 13-12 and 12 overall. And does it even really matter what they do the rest of the way in the regular season? Their only way they're getting in is to win the SEC tournament, which I don't see them doing. uh, Let's look at what they've got left. I don't don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. I mean, (laughs) 
that's a long path back from a 94 net. But go ahead. I agree. I agree. Let's say they beat Ole Miss on Tuesday night. Okay. And win at State on Saturday. Okay. I'm not sure that I believe they're going to win either of those two games. But let's right. just say they do. And they're now 10-4 and four in the league. They've got a game against Alabama. They could win that one. That's 11. And they could win their last three. Missouri, Texas A&M, and Georgia, they likely will win their last three. That would be 14 SEC wins. Yeah. They're going to the tournament with 14 SEC wins. Period. I, mean, I don't care what their games, net is. Yeah, those last three games are not going to move the net for them. So They're not, but at some point, the, the eyeball test has to count for something. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, man. I love the eyeball test, but I just don't know. I don't know. If, if, the, if the NCAA takes this net seriously, I mean, it seems at best they're going to finish in the 70s. That seems like that seems like a ceiling, right? Rippy, let's say they do that. Let's say they lose to Ole Miss and Mississippi State this week, and they're at eight and six in league play, and then they win their last four to get to 12 and six in the SEC. Does 12 SEC wins get you to the NCAA tournament? In their case, I don't know. It would depend on what they did in Nashville. They would be 17 and 14 in the regular season. I don't. I don't see it. I don't think their numbers against the teams they beat down the stretch is going to do enough. Be enough for them. Does Does it matter that they were not healthy when they lost to Stony Brook? And they lost on the road to Wyoming. It should. They claim it doesn't, but it should. If South Carolina goes 12-6 and six in the SEC and they don't make the NCAA tournament, we need to rethink how we select teams, honestly. The SEC is what? At worst, the third-best conference in, in basketball? And they'll be at 12-6, and six, at worst, the fifth-best team in that league? Wyoming is 6-19. and 19. You're an yeah. SEC school. I mean, unless you have three di- players. Thing, I mean, things are different, though. It's, I think it should be taken into account how a team is playing now. Wyoming was the eighth game of the year. Stony Brook was the second game of the year. See, Were they just, not healthy for Stony Brook? They weren't healthy for the second game of the year? No, they weren't. They had a couple of major injuries during practice. Okay. Like leading into the start of the season. I just Stony see Brook's at least good in their league. But yeah, Wyoming, they have six wins. Yeah, so I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, it probably um, won't happen. But should I mean, shouldn't what happens lately matter more than what happened at the end of November? See, I, I don't know how much I buy into that. I think wins and losses are wins and losses, no matter when they occur. Mm, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, not in basketball. I, I always, well, maybe not in basketball. I always go back to something. Uh, Marcus Spears said when State was number one in the nation and, and, and you know, people were talking about well they had beaten LSU and, and beaten Auburn and people were like, Well that was back in September. And you're talking about in November. It, it doesn't make any difference to me. When you you beat the teams that are on your schedule. So for me, you know, a, when when it happens, I mean I understand teams get hot towards the end, and that's great for the teams when you're really trying to pick and choose who's or the bubble teams. Not for when you're talking about picking a team that's gonna be at best three games above five hundred. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I do. Mississippi State, though, not a team that's going to have questions because their non-conference schedule was really good. Yeah. 
77-67, a winner at Arkansas to get to 6-6 six and six in the league. I thought Abdul-Adu played pretty well the other night. Didn't have this a ton of points, key. but this he had seven rebounds. These last two games. I almost want to turn this around and ask you the questions, because you, you know, I think that's your first time to see them live since what since they played Cincinnati, right? Um, yes. So, just for me, I think the the big the two things that have been the key in this this little run states put together. They've got what two wins the uh, two wins this week. Last week they had two losses, but they played good teams and played them well. Is the move of Reggie Perry into the starting lineup that has been the key for Mississippi State? That and Abdul Adu these last two games has been really playing well. Uh, had ten points, which I think I said on this show. Somebody tweeted at me. Him getting ten points is like anybody else getting thirty. It's just you just don't expect it. Uh, and then he only had five points on uh, Saturday, but he had seven rebounds, which might be a season high for him. He has not rebounded the ball well, well this year. And then you saw it there late in the game, the hustle plays. Going onto the floor, trying to get loose balls. I mean, you don't expect that out of a seven footer. So his play has been key, but Reggie Perry is, he's just an automatic double double guy for Mississippi State now. He's had one, I think, in every start, except for the Kentucky game where he got into foul trouble early in the uh, first half. So State's figured some things out in the post. My concern, if I have one right now, is, you know, if Weatherspoon's going to be out for an extended period of time, I don't know how long you can go with just seven guys. You know, you need, I think they need one more guy, and I don't think they have a guy like that on the roster. I don't see Keyshawn Fazell. I kept thinking you were going to ask me a question, hey, Dad. I, 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 I said I thought about going that route, but I didn't. Oh, uh, no, you'd, you'd much rather talk. I, I'm about to get out of here. It's like I got to get my time in. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll ask you, though. What did you think of State? I thought, especially in the second half, defensively, they flipped a switch. Oh, I think everything you said makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I thought a do with his seven rebounds was big. Yeah. You know, Reggie Perry, that was his sixth double-double of the year. He was coming off 14-10 and 10 against Alabama. Yeah. In SEC play, he's averaging 10.5 and, and 8. Yeah. It's really what do you good. Think of Woodard? I thought it was one of the best games that I've seen from him this year. He hits two threes. I, I continue to say you're not supposed to look like that at 18 years old. Yeah. I mean, he is an absolute physical specimen. He and Perry um, are interesting. Lamar Peters is a liability to me. Yeah, he, I, I, that injury, I don't know if he's, he's 100%. So. Maybe not, but I mean, he, he's not playing like. Nah. He's injured. He's just not He's not making shots. He, there's no confidence there. Quindary Weatherspoon had a quiet 22 points on Saturday night. That's, that's the story of his life. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. There was an analyst on the SEC Network who was talking to Q off the record. He said, hey, can you score 40? Well, yes, sir, I think so. Well, why don't you? <laughs> Well, I'm trying to get my teammates. He said, look, I'm a team guy. I get it. Screw that. Go score 40. Your team needs you. And I kind of agree with that. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming, supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along for the ride. On this Monday afternoon, a lot of baseball talk, a lot of basketball talk. We have spent some time on Mississippi State's win against Arkansas on the road. 
Let's take a, a look at Ole Miss's win at home on Saturday, 75-65 over Missouri. Ole Miss led in scoring by Bruce Stevens, 17 points off the bench. K.J. Buffin had 14 points off the bench. This was not a game where Bree and Tyree went for 30 or Terrence Davis went for 26. Devontae Shuler did have 12 in the game. What did you think, Rippy? I know you got there kind of start of the second half. Borky, you watched the entire thing. What did you guys think of Ole Miss and their win against Missouri? You said, Rippy, you said earlier workmanlike. Yeah, because they didn't particularly shoot it well. Didn't Probably didn't play their best, but the game never really felt in doubt. And from what I saw from it, that was that was kind of the case. It was around 7 when I got there, hovered around there, 9, and kind of stayed there for for most of the game. Borky, Ole Miss 10 turnovers, Missouri 25 turnovers. Yeah, they were active the defensively. Game, right? That is the story of the game. And hey, Most nights, they're not going to win the rebound discrepancy. I'm just I'm surprised that they got beat as bad as they did. What is that, 16 rebounds uh, fewer than Missouri had? But yeah, there's your story of the game. They were active defensively. They forced turnovers. And that's where the workman thing comes from because they didn't shoot the ball well. I think the combination of Henson Schuler and Davis shot 25% from three. It didn't have a big scoring day from Brian Tyree, who's a 20-point-per-game guy in the SEC. I mean, he should be first-team All-SEC when it comes down to it. He may not be, but he should be with the way he's played in conference play. So you didn't get a big contribution from him. Olenicek was – I mean, you get six points from him, that's fine, but did nothing on the boards. Henson didn't have a good game, and yet you still – win pretty comfortably it got dicey there in the second half but I mean if if you're going to call a 10 point win dicey especially when you get out rebounded the way you did could have been worse Rippy was there ever a point where it didn't feel like Ole Miss was in control no not really from what I saw what did Missouri cut it to six in the second half at one point and then you thought maybe you know if they get a turnover and make another shot but yeah, there was never a moment where you thought Ole Miss is not going to win this game. Players after the game talked, uh, I guess specifically Brian Tyree, talked about feeling comfortable in those late-game situations. Kermit spent some time talking about road wins helping this team build confidence. Yeah, I mean, he said that he feels like the team is getting more confident. I think that's a byproduct of them getting a little deeper because they're getting better play from... Bruce Stevens, K.J. Buffin's been more consistent, and then this is coming off a game where they got 15 minutes apiece from Luis Rodriguez and Zach Naylor. Kermit said after the game he should have played Luis Moore on Saturday. That was an oversight by him. So they're starting to get a little deeper on the bench, and you know they're 4-2 and two in true road games, including the, the Florida debacle at the end. And so, I mean, when you have success in other people's buildings and go into environments where it's not stacked in your favor and win, it breeds confidence. You would imagine that Brian Tyree has a lot to do with that, right? A veteran ball handler? Sure. I think it's Shuler every bit as much as it's Tyree because he takes care of the ball late in, late in games. They run good offense. And when you when you have a scorer like Brian Tyree on the opposite wing as Terrence Davis, it really stretches defenses out, and there's not a whole lot you can do to combat that. You mentioned first-team All-SEC a second ago. How many guys are we putting on the first team All-SEC? How many do I mean, they Theoretically, put on it, it should be five, right? But usually it's like eight. 
Yeah, it should be five. And the second team or third team has like ten just because. All right, so give me your first team. All, or, uh, I'll start. Okay. So do I get eight guys? I'll give you eight guys. That's fine. Do I have to do it by position, or can it just be any eight guys? I mean, there's got to be a – you can't have eight guards, but – I kind of feel like in the past, though, it hasn't necessarily been – but that's okay. I can, I can break it up. Grant Williams at Tennessee. Admiral Schofield at Tennessee. Bryce Brown at Auburn. Tremont Waters at LSU. Jordan Bone at Tennessee. P.J. Washington at Kentucky. Quindary Weatherspoon, Mississippi State. Brian Tyree, Ole Miss. Sounds good to me. If eight's the number, is there anybody out of that group you're kicking off, or is there anybody that is glaringly not part of the first team? Did I say Chris Silva? I didn't hear it. I didn't say Chris Silva. Chris Silva has to be on the first team. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. So who are you bouncing off the first team? If you can only have eight, who are you going to bounce? Here's a, uh, a question for you. you. You said three guards. We'll do the Ole Miss, the state guard, and Admiral Schofield. Who would you rather have, Schofield and, or Tyree, and Schofield or Weatherspoon? Schofield's not a guard. That's what they have him listed at. That's I mean, Jeez. that's what he would make. If, <clears throat> if we're talking all-SEC team, he would be listed as a guard. You think so? That's what they list him on their official website. I feel like he's one of those G slash F, but he's a guy. I mean, that he's plays a wing, yeah. Um. Well, but I mean, those aren't the only. No, I mean, but just if, to keep Brian local... Tyree and Schofield and Q Weatherspoon are there. Jordan Bone. I mean, Bone's averaging six and a half assists and thirteen and a half points a game as your point guard. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. Bone versus Tyree or Weatherspoon. Tyree, I think. Because of the scoring? It depends on how you value it, though. It's like who means more. Like if, if you take them off their respective teams, how do those teams look? And if you look at true like value, it's probably Tyree. But if you look at you know performances and numbers, it's a little different story. I, look, Not man. that Tyree's numbers are there at all, but you get my point. So uh, Grant Williams, unquestionably, right? Do you have any question about, Grant, uh, about Admiral Schofield being on first-team All-SEC? Okay. What about Tremont Waters at LSU? I think he has to be. He is seventh in the SEC at scoring in scoring at sixteen a game, and he's second in assists at six point two. PJ Washington is playing like a man possessed right now. He's a first team All SEC player. Chris Silva leads the league in double doubles. If you take Chris Silva off South Carolina. They're four and eight in the SEC. Maybe. He's great. Silva's fourteenth in the league in scoring at fourteen points a game. He's fifth in rebounding at seven and a half a game. He averages like two blocks a game. Uh yeah, exactly two blocks a game, third in the league there. I would dump Harper if I had <clears throat> would to you? out of those guards, yes. Well, I didn't have Harper on the first team. I had Bryce Brown on the first team. Oh, I just I heard Auburn. I thought you said Harper. Sorry. Yeah. 
No, Bryce Brown at 16 points a game. I probably would dump Bryce Brown out of that group. If you told me I had to let one go, it probably would be Bryce Brown. Might be unfair, but that's the guy that I'd drop. So I, my, my eight would be Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Brian Tyree, Quindary Weatherspoon, um, Jordan Bone, Chris Silva, P.J. Washington, and Tremont Waters. Those would be my eight. And that means I'm leaving Daniel Gafford off. And Gafford is fifth in the SEC in scoring, second in the SEC in rebounding, and he is fourth in the SEC in block shots. So now cut it to five. It's impossible, but give it a shot. Well, but but again, how do you leave Daniel Gafford off the first team All SEC group? I mean, I, I know the reason I'm leaving him off is because I've seen him play multiple times, and I don't think he plays hard consistently. I thought he played really hard in the first half against Mississippi State, but his teammates didn't get it to him. He had one shot attempt in the first half on Saturday night. One. First team all SEC preseason. Guy's got 66 dunks on the year. And he had one shot attempt in the first half of that game. Make that make sense. Help me understand. But, and and oh, by the way, Gafford also leads the SEC in field goal percentage. I don't know. So you think he's being done a disservice? What do you mean? With his touches? I, he was on Saturday night. Now, Mississippi State gets some credit now. Reggie Perry battled down low with Gafford. There were a couple of times where Q Weatherspoon had to switch off and was on him, and he battled. A dude battled with him down low. They made his life miserable. But if you have a first-team All-SEC post player, there is no scenario... I don't care who's guarding him, and I don't care how they're guarding him. There's no scenario where one shot in the first half of a game, even if he is in foul trouble, is acceptable. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey on this Monday afternoon. Started something new in the uh, the 3 o'clock hour today, visiting with Scott Barry. He is scheduled to visit with us each Monday during the baseball season. Mike Bianco has agreed to do the exact same thing, and he is on your radio right now on the Farm Bureau phone line to uh, talk about the opening weekend and look ahead a little bit as well. Coach, appreciate uh, you being willing to join us each week. My pleasure. My pleasure. How you doing? Doing well. I'm kind of curious your takeaway from the weekend. Uh, you get the win in the the season opener, ten to one, and then drop game two, and then Mother Nature kind of jumped in and just knocked everybody out of baseball yesterday. Uh, How did you feel about the the first couple of games? Uh, it's just um, you know I think anytime you lose, especially in the first weekend, it you know it's uh, I got a dog bark and I'm going to take care of the dog. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, 
Yeah, I think any time you lose in the you know the first opening weekend, uh, you know, especially if you get beat up like we did, you know it's disappointing. You feel bad, and and then you know probably the other thing was that you know you don't get to maybe finish the weekend off where you know maybe you feel a lot better if you can you know uh, return on Sunday and, and play well and and you know win the weekend. And so you know I think we you know, we all kind of have a little bad taste in our mouth, but uh, it happens. We got beat by a good team, and uh, we didn't play well and uh you know uh disappointing in the way that we played up i mean we just uh you know the first four innings we we let him take it to us and um, you know so that was bad we got off to a great start obviously on friday night will was terrific i thought miller pitched really well in relief i thought we swung the bats i thought we played defense and really the opposite on saturday so you know it's kind of a you know uh kind of i guess a somber mood on sunday when we didn't get a chance to get back out on the field 29 pitches in the first inning for Will Etheridge, and I didn't think he made a ton of bad pitches in that first inning, but after that really settled in, and I I thought, and and I'd be curious to your perspective, in the third and the fourth and maybe even in the fifth innings, it looked like his breaking ball had had a lot of life to it. Yeah, much better breaking ball, you know, towards the end of the game. And it's still, you know, a work uh, in progress with the break ball, the curveballs we've worked on a lot this fall. And uh, it was a little flatter getting around it a little bit early. The 28, 29 pitches in the first inning was really, that's one of those statistical anomalies. The reason he threw so many was, you know, the two-hole guy or fouled off about 10 pitches. Right. And the three-hole guy, you know, hit a dribbler back to him where he fumbled the ball, you know, uh, it really wasn't had anything to do with his pitching. I mean, he was, he was really, I thought, outstanding for you know the the five and the third or whatever he ended up throwing. What is your goal beyond winning when you go into the start of a new season, especially when you've got a veteran team? What what do you want to see? What do you want to take away from the first weekend of a season? Well, I think the first weekend, you know, you just want to play well, and I think that's what uh, you know made this you know kind of a disappointing weekend for us. It's, it's you know it's one thing to lose, but when you don't play well, that's that's disappointing. And, and usually we, we 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 play really well the first weekend. If you get beat, you get beat in a close game where you know they just did a little more than you did, and you know that you know this one was they did a lot more than we did, you know, and, and so uh, but to not to continue to rehash it, you know. So I think you know. Uh, uh, to answer your question, you want to play well. The other thing for this specific team is to try to figure out the pitching, to try to figure out some roles. I thought Phillips pitched really well the first two innings uh, on Saturday, and just you know the disappointing thing for him is he wasn't able to get off the uh, off the field in the third. You know where uh, after a walk and a kind of a cheap base hit, he, he walks another guy and then gives up a double and a single, and his day's over. And if you look at the first two innings, he pitched really well, uh, stuff wise strike percentage wise uh, we, we make a couple errors in the first inning that you know uh, he gives up an unearned run uh, but he really pitched well and his stuff was good uh, so that was disappointing and then of course for Broadway's first appearance out he just wasn't sharp he, you know he's you know behind in the county he, he walked a few guys and uh, just not a good day for him and so we you know we got behind the eight ball uh, just too much you know there and just weren't, weren't able to come back meant to ask you when we were talking about Will Etheridge. He left the game after five and two-thirds, so in the sixth inning, and, and looked like he was kind of looking at his finger like maybe there was a blister. How big a deal is that? What's the status of that going into week two? 
Yeah, it looks like he won't pitch on this 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 next weekend. It's just really precautionary. You know, the blister just. Uh, and I think one, he's he's always kind of been one of those borderline blister guys. But then I think uh, you know, with with the rain and uh, you know, just the damp ball and just trying to you know try to you know keep tacky substances to, to be able to get a grip and uh, just one of those tough things where uh, he blew open a blister you know on his finger and. Uh, but the thing, as you know, it can be kind of a, a lingering thing, kind of like a sprained ankle. And so you want to make sure that, you know, you don't just each weekend run them out there and, you know, take, you know, one step forward, two steps back. And, and so right now I, I think, you know, we haven't announced it yet, and uh, we're just trying to take it day by day. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's questionable, for, I think, for this weekend just because we want that thing to heal up and we got to, you know, make sure that he's, He's good to go. And I was going to ask you, once a pitcher gets a blister, especially a starting pitcher, if you don't let it heal properly, is that one of those things that could linger and, and could hang around for half the season? With, 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 without a doubt. And I mean, you know, big leagues, sometimes they hold guys out for several weeks just to let it heal up. And, you know, that, that would be the fear. The fear is that, you know, um, you know, every game's important, but you know, we we don't want to get to to SEC play and and still having you know the the blister be be an issue for him. And so uh, we haven't really dealt with a, a bad blister you know, problem since you know maybe Bobby Wall you know a, a handful of years back, and and his was in a different spot in his finger. Uh, it was more in the cuticle part, and and uh, uh, and so you know this this can be a bad one. And so you know we just gotta you know like I said take it to the proverbial football day by day and just make sure that you know when we go back to throwing um, you know he, he's able to throw like he hasn't thrown a baseball since Friday uh, yeah. they, they, they you know, uh, kind of you know uh, been dealing with it in the training room and it, it looks better today it looks a lot better uh, but it's one of those things where I think it's just too early to tell. Mike Bianco, head coach at Ole Miss, visiting with us on Sports Talk Mississippi. It feels like in the playoffs, Major League Baseball playoffs every year when it's cold, inevitably the conversation comes up about whether or not, because so many people just do it anyway, whether a pitcher ought to be able to get a little bit of pine tar or something like that to kind of help control the ball. Is that something that could ever happen or would make sense? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, you hate to you watch all the different rules changes and, you know, from blocking the plate to, you know, so many different things and instant replay. And, uh, you know, now, now, you know, you can, you know, if you get hit by a pitch and they think it was intentional, they can give you a strike. So, you know, you never say never now, you know, with the rules people. Um, but yeah, that's a hard one for me to, to believe that they're going to let you to be able to put substances on your hand. I, I don't know. You know, I, I would say no now, but I guess I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if, if something changes. When David DeLucci and I were doing the game on Friday, at one point Thomas Dillard was intentionally walked, but this year you don't have to th- throw four pitches. And DeLucci's a guy that's played in the big leagues, and he said he felt like that fundamentally changed the game and pointed out that, yeah, there were a couple of times a year ago where you guys scored runs on balls that got away. You've got the Austin Anderson home run a couple of years ago. Was this a bad move, or did this make sense to go this route for college baseball? I'm okay with it. You know, and the heck, they do it in the big leagues now. 
And and, and, I, and I get it, and I get the baseball purists to say, you know, hey, you got to pitch to the guy, and and you know, there's, but you know, to me, you know, I think you know, at the end of the day, it's you know, we all talk about time and speeding up the game, and you know, I think it's just a lot easier just to point and put the guy at first, and people, you know, I think the fans really, you know, those are great moments, and Austin Anderson on the pitch, uh, you know, on a intentional walk hit for home run, and that's a neat thing. But I think at the end of the day, most people want to win uh, and lose games, you know, the way that it's drawn up on the bases or, you know, a ball four, you know, not that something, you know, somebody, uh, when they were just trying to walk a guy, the ball gets by the catcher or a guy hits it. Sure. Um, Cooper Johnson, uh, you know, maybe people wouldn't be excited to see Thomas Diller with five hits on the weekend and a home run and a double, but Cooper Johnson, uh, four hits and seven at-bats, seemed to really play well for you at the plate. What did you see? What led to that? Well, I'm just I'm, I'm happy and excited and proud of him. You know, um, you know, I, I said it earlier in the weekend when somebody asked you know a similar question, and and the truth is, you know, people always talk about his defense, and it's well deserved. I mean, he, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best, defensive catcher in the in the country. Uh, but he's worked so hard, you know, offensively to to, to be a good player, and you know, uh, for a guy that you know puts in that much effort. You know, uh, in that particular skill, to, for him to get off to a good start, you know, uh, I, I'm proud of him and excited, and I think you're always happy when you know, got you know, hard work pays off. Coach, appreciate your time. Look forward to these visits each week. Going to try and get one in against Arkansas State, and hope that Mother Nature will uh, cooperate tomorrow. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.